Bring it, baby, bring it. Come on, how are we all doing? You guys do look good in your masks. Whew, that feels good. Yeah, come on. So if any of you poke your tongues at me, I can't see, but the Lord knows, just so you know. He knows. He knows all. Hmm? Get myself set up here. Ta -da, ta -da. That was so good. And Meg, uh, that, that song that you brought, wasn't that beautiful? There you are. Thank you. It's just, it's just a simple beauty, you know? It's working all things for our good. Working all things for our good. Mm. During uh, worship, I, God just said to me, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we sing songs. I love the, love the songs we sang tonight. It was incredible. Angels, angelic heavenly places. But sometimes I think I just almost fall into the idea that God is there in, in heavenly, you know, in heaven. Not his throne, but he's like, but I am here. I'm here. I'm here right now. I'm before you. I'm behind you. I'm in you. I'm beside you. I'm the God who is here. And not just the God who was. I'm the God who am, who I am. I'm the God who is. And he's here. He's here in your lives. In every part, every crevice and crook and cranny of your life. Every moving wheel of your life. He's in there. He's in there. Let's just pray. To the God who is here, we love you, Papa. We love you. We adore you. We acknowledge you. We don't have to pray that you would come down because you came down 2,000 years ago, Jesus, so that you would live in our hearts, live inside of us. Abide in me and my word abide in you. You will ask what you want and you will have it. To the God who is here, we love you. We love you. We love you. <laughs> we love what you're doing. We love the opportunity that the church has now to rise up in a new way that we didn't have one or two years ago. We thank you for that. We thank you. We thank you. Jesus. Thank you for teaching your sons and daughters how to wield a sword with great efficacy. How to move things. How to speak to mountains that go disappear you're making children into, into men and women and we thank you for that we just love you we just take a moment to just put our eyes on you and all that you are all of your magnificent glory all of your resplendent power and majesty all of your grace and favor that you are slow to anger that you're so quick to just douse us in loving kindness this is who you are, God. Even our mindsets are just breaking off over people. Chains are being broken tonight. They have been and they are and they will be broken tonight. Just receive that right now. Chains being broken. Of mindsets, of thoughts, of spiritual domination. Broken off of your life. Just as we look at you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. Just come and do what you want to do. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. It's easy to linger on that, isn't it?
Joshua was quite, a, I mean, sorry, Moses was quite amazing. This is a man who walks into um, Egypt and just says, oh, yeah, I need my people back. I know that you're a labor force, but that's not my problem. I need God's people back. I need to go and do things. I need to establish a new land and a new territory. And he does against his will at first, giving excuses to God. Well, I can't speak. I can't do this. And God's like, oh, just, all right. I've got you covered. Got you covered. Throw that staff down and become a snake. <laughs> so funny the way he runs away. Like a staff's never been anything other than a staff. He throws it down. Instantly, it's just a snake. Like how would that mess with you? God's just like, I got this. I got this. And it's going to be fun. You know, and he does everything and walks the people out through the desert for 40 years, you know. And then finally, at the end of his days, I love the Bible says about Moses, at 120, his eyes were not abated and his strength was not. His eyes were not dim and his, his strength was not abated. And then it's handed over to Joshua. Yes, take that. I'm taking that. I'm receiving that. Come on, Lord. You have no favorites, Father. And then Joshua. It's handed over to Joshua um, to take the people into the new land. What, a, what an audacious thing, you know. I mean, all the desert stuff and leaving Egypt was huge in its own right. And then taking a whole new land. I mean, Joshua's always, you know, behind there, behind the defense, I guess, of Moses and everything else, you know. The leader takes, takes the brunt that nobody else can feel. And now it's like, all right, Joseph, uh, Joshua, sorry. Did I say Joseph before? I mean Joshua. If I say Joseph, I'm meaning Joshua. <laughs> it's like, all right, it's over to you now. And uh, I just love these little snippets. You know, sometimes I would just put a little sentence in here and there, and it just tells so much about how when, when Moses would go in there and worship in the temple, and, then, and he would leave, and Joshua would just stay. And maybe he just knew what was coming. Maybe he could sense that there's going to be a shift soon. And he's like, I need all of God. <laughs> I need to know him as well as I can. I need to just understand him. And he would spend time and time, extra time, more time. And then, um, you know, God says to him, Moses, my servant, is dead. It's quite like direct God, isn't he, when he speaks to people <laughs> sometimes. Now, therefore, Joshua 1, verse um, 2, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. And he says to him in verse 6, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Verse 7, he says it twice. This book of the law, verse 8, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Third time, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Three times God says to him, be strong and of good courage. Let this word, let this book of the law be in you day and night. Be meditating on it all of the time. Always have this word of God in you and in your mouth, Joshua. Always be speaking it, always be seeing it, declaring it, meditating it. And he says to the people, it's like, this is what we're going to do. And the people are like, yep, that sounds good to us. And yet at the end, they say, only be strong and of good courage. So he's getting it from all sides. God says it three times. The people say back to him, be strong and of good courage. You know, if somebody says that to you, it's like, oh, what's, what's coming up? That I, did you give me this warning? <laughs> Should I be concerned? God's like, no, don't be concerned. But if you're going to put anything before you, let it be my word. If you're going to have anything in your mouth, let it be my word. My word of your blessing, that I will bless you. 
and increase you and I will keep you. If you're going to be dwelling on anything, let it be that. Let it be my covenant with you. Let it be my establishing of my goodwill, my intention towards you. Let it be my presence that is in you and with you. Well, we have it, we have it in us. God's like, I know what's coming. And Joshua's fought a number of wars, way more than Moses fought. Joshua fought a lot more physical battles and wars. So God is like, okay, buckle down. <laughs> buckle down. But there's a way to navigate through things that is kingdom or not kingdom. And the kingdom way is having his word saturating what you believe and what you think. What does God say about your situation? Every day you get up and you face the day and the things and the agenda and the things to do, you know, what is the way you framing it and looking at it, is it what God is singing over you? He's, you know, the Bible even says God whistles over his children. <laughs> he sings over you, whistles over you, he's declaring things. It says Jesus at the right hand of the Father interceding continually. What is he interceding for Rebecca, for Trevor, for myself? You know, I don't think it's the same thing because our lives are so wonderfully unique and our calling, our destiny, our gifts, you know. Why don't you lean into that and just ask him, what is it that you're praying over my life now, God, that I can partner with you in? And I can lean in and say, yep, that's, that's the verse, that's the scripture, that's the belief that Jesus is praying over me. I agree with that. That's my confession now him and I are both agreeing. It's unstoppable. You and him are always the majority. <laughs> what is he saying over you? Because there is so much being said over the airwaves now. Every news feed you go on, <clears throat> every Google feed you go on, there is a lot being said. Is what you believe about your life what he says about your life? It's absolutely critical. And it's good. It's not bad. He's saying good things over you. But he's asking that you partner with him and believe the things that he is saying over you. Otherwise, how can there be agreement? He's saying one thing, you're saying another thing. It's disagreement. Disagreement. But the door's open. You only need to lean in. And if you believe hearing God's voice is difficult, that's a lie. And you can just break that off right now. You actually helped me with that, Pastor James. You just said that to me one day. You said, it's not hard to hear God's voice. And I realized I had built it up in my head that it was hard. And therefore, it was hard. Because <laughs> I believed that it would be hard. And then you said, it's not hard. And you know what? It hasn't been hard. It hasn't been hard. That uh, verse of the week is awesome. I was in Galatians yesterday, actually. You know, if you ever read in the Bible, I encourage you to read a whole book at a time if you can. It's just amazing. It's only five pages. It's so quick to go through. But you read these verses in context of what Paul is saying, the, the heart of Paul to this church in Galatia. And uh, I've many times I've read, come, you know, read a whole book and then seen a verse in there that, you know, I was saying, kids' church or something growing up, and it's suddenly taken a whole different meaning because I'm reading in context what Paul's actually saying here, or, or James, or Jude, you know, what's he saying in the context of this whole thing? And there's, a, there's an extra depth and a gravity to it. So I encourage you to do that. <clears throat> Read these books. Some of them are only a couple of pages long. But that's powerful because, you know, growing up, I was like, yeah, I want more love. I want more power. I don't want to be, you know, grumpy or annoyed or whatever, whatever, you know. And uh, Paul's like, He's pretty high. He's pretty full on in Galatians, if you've read that. Chapter 3 says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? 
And he just carries on and on. He's like, you started off in faith, you started off in the Spirit, and now you want to end up in the works of the law? You got into Christ. You saw before whom Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. You saw him. You leapt into this Christianity by faith. And now, you know, you want to go back to your old ways of the law. Who has bewitched you? That, and so in the context of that, he's saying, you know, the works of the flesh are, and he talks about, you know, murder and lying and uh, unthankfulness, which is interesting. Ranks unthankfulness like right up there <laughs> with everything else. Shows you the power of praise. Um, but then he says, you know, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Do you, uh, how do you access that, I guess, is what a lot of people ask. How do you have more of that? Well, your spirit has all of that. You have all of that. Do you believe that you have all of that? Because if you don't, you're just going to be living out of whatever you believe. I believe I'm full of faith and love and self-control. Do you? F- can you feel that you're saved? I think Trevor mentioned this on, on Friday, I think, about feeling. I don't know if I can feel that I'm saved or not saved. I believe it and I know it. I have a book and a covenant and a relationship that confirms that. I believe that I do have everything that that verse says inside of me. And when I believe that and lean into that, wow, there the fruit is. It's not a striving, as Rebecca said as well. It's not a striving, it's not a stressing. But do you believe it? You get to eat the fruit of what you believe. Good or bad, nasty or wonderful. You get to believe that. I think sometimes people just get tripped up in the... um, in the physicality of things, you know, they just wake up and they just feel defeated and they live out their day in the reality of that because their feelings, where you could just take even five minutes aside and say, you know what, I don't feel victorious right now, God, but you have said that I am and you are the great I am. So I'm just going to believe that today. My belief doesn't have to tie with my emotions, but if you believe for long enough, your emotions will get in line. I believe they'll set some of you free. Your emotions may start off crooked in the beginning or weird, <laughs> you know. But if you believe and you keep believing, you know, that's the, the train that runs and the emotions that will caboose behind it that falls into alignment. They will fall into alignment, you know. They're uh, wonderful servants, not great masters, the emotions. But they are looking for a leader. Your emotions are looking for something to lead them. That's where your belief gets to say, all right, Boys, this is what we're doing today. <laughs> I am the blessed of the Lord, and you will fall into alignment. I don't care what you feel right now. It'll come into alignment, and you believe, and you declare. Many times I've worshipped God and just felt nothing in my heart to begin with. But I know that he's worthy, and so it's, he's worthy of my praise. Whether it's emotional or not, I'm choosing to ascribe greatness to him. I'm choosing to ascribe greatness to 30 years of beautiful victory that I've had in him, of a glorious life. And it's whether three minutes or 30 years, it doesn't matter, but he's worthy. And I've been able to give him something. You know what's amazing? You will never give a sacrifice of worship to God in heaven. This is the only time you get to do that. I bet it's going to be easy. It's just like, oh, there he is. What can you do but worship? It's the only realm, if you want to, dimension, that we actually get to give a sacrifice of praise. Beyond this, it's just easy pickings, you know. That's going to be good. I'm looking forward to that. But I'm just saying, like, do you see the value in that? This is like, I get to give you something, Daddy, that costs me something, that just says no to my emotions, because purely because you are worthy, because you're absolutely magnificent.
We get to do that here on earth, far above whatever you feel. We need to wash our minds in this word. We need to believe what he says about us. And what I prayed earlier, I, I believe it. Like we have an opportunity as a church, as a church as a whole, and as I think Pastor Catherine said earlier, and as individuals in our own lives, our own homes, and our own cars as we drive to and from work, we have an opportunity to step up in what God has for us. You know, the Ephesians prayer, um, I think I have it bookmarked here because it's that good. I do. Paul writes, <clears throat> amongst other things, he says, you know, that um, I pray to the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So Pastor Catherine prayed that earlier. The eyes of your understanding and imagination being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance and in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in us, in Christ, which is in us. Paul's prayer is that you would know the exceeding greatness of God's power to you, and not just to you, but through you, and in your life, in your family, amongst your people. It's like, wake up to the power that is available to you as a son and a daughter of God. No victims here. No grandchildren. We're all sons and daughters of God. But there is a power that's available been dwelling a lot on 2 Timothy 1.7. It's beautiful. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity. Sometimes that's often translated timidity. People might not relate to fear, but they might relate to timidity, you know, instead. So um, both fit. So if you have that, I'm here to tell you it's not from God. And it's not your personality type either. <laughs> not everybody's going to be Mr. Extrovert. I get that. But, you know, if it's fear or timidity, that's not a personality thing. And it's not of God. So what has he given us? Well, the next line says, he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound, disciplined mind. That's what we have. Come on. <laughs> that's what we have. So if you have the other, you can just flick it off and say, it doesn't matter. I don't care how long you've had it for. It's still not your inheritance. It was never yours to begin with. You may have got told as a kid, or they're just a scared kid, you know, it's just who they are. And they just came on you, or whatever. Whatever it was. We had an accident, and fear came in. But it's never your, your bag to carry. Chains have been broken, and I believe that. If any of this resonates with you, just, you know, as I'm preaching, just take it. Take it, stew on it, meditate, and walk in your victory. I know chains have been broken. When Tim was playing the drums in your worship, um, you know, depression was being broken off of people. Um, hindrances, things, heaviness was being broken off of people. I don't know if, if um, anybody felt that, but it was, you know. And when the singers' voices were singing, hope was being restored, you know. That thing was taken away, and hope was being restored, you know. You should have chats with God during worship. It's amazing. You know, James and I have had some good chats of what God does during worship here. Angelic movement, fire. What is he doing? How is he maneuvering with his people, you know, in worship? And then you get to partner with that as you see that and become aware of that. It's, it adds a whole other dimension to worship. It's amazing. What has he given you? Who is he calling you? On this earth, he has a name and a place for you, and he, he calls you something, you know, to uh, Gideon, who's a mighty man of valor. 
He didn't feel it. didn't look like it. He's hiding somewhere. <laughs> God said, I know who you are. I know exactly who you are. This is a major man of valor. So step up and step in to what I have for you. He's calling you something. Maybe your mom and dad didn't call you that, or your husband or wife or friends don't call you that. But what does he call you? Please lean into that and, and find it out. And when you get that, then you also get to declare it over your children and your children's children. And you get to be the life givers, the name givers. There's something in us. You know, God get, said to Adam, you name all the animals. You know, there's something in us to speak that. It's more than just a name. It's, it's something. It's an identity. <clears throat> Gareth means peace and gentle. You know, and through some wild seasons, through all kinds of things, you know, heartache and loneliness and whatever else. I've always been able to lean back into the peace of God, you know. I think that's just kind of something we've journeyed with, you know, and other people might be something else, but I've, I've been able to lean back into that. And I guess people have always spoken that over my life. Every time they've spoken my name, you know. <laughs> it's wonderful. I get to lean into that. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It's no small thing that his name is peace. One of his names in the Bible is the Prince of Peace. He's the one who is peace. And he says, my peace I give to you, but not as the world gives. I give my peace to you differently. It's a peace that doesn't just a, um, you know, a cranial, logical thing. Again, this prayer, um, Ephesians 3, talking about the love of God. He says, I love the way it's layered too. He's like, that he would grant you according to the riches of the glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you've been rooted. It's like it's layering, 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 layering up to the end eventually says that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. So it's not just a knowing, knowing. It goes way beyond knowledge and comprehension and logic and understanding that you, and finally, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That the love of God rooted in you is so deep and profound that goes beyond reasoning and logic and understanding so that you can stand there full with all the fullness of God. That's the love that he has for us. I felt to, to you know, navigate through courage today, hence, hence these uh, verses in Joshua. But you know what? One of the things is that fuels courage is love. And the Bible says, uh, perfect love casts out all fear. Or if you don't, if it, or, you know, what's, what's the enemy to, to, uh, to courage is often fear. God's perfect love drives that out. You can have a very meek and mild mother, you know, who's never said boo to a goose. But, you know, if somebody comes and snatches her baby, you will see a side of her come out that you have never seen before. She'll take on the biggest bully in the schoolyard with fire. And it won't be because she's an angry woman. It'll be because of her love for their baby. Courage is there when love is there. And there are people just... Just people navigating through hopelessness and worry and fear and there's a whole ocean of love available for you to draw from just a whole whole ocean you spend an hour a day in, the, in 
you know, in the media, and I'm not saying don't be aware of what's going on, I'm just saying, but what do you ultimately walk away with, you know, at the end of the day? Be aware of what's going on, sure. But do you walk away at the end of the day saying, wow, I win. In Jesus, I win. In Him, I win. In Him, my family wins. In Him, my church wins. In Him, my city wins. Do you walk away with it? Do you go to sleep excited about your victory in Him? There's an ocean of love, and you get to swim in it every day. Whether you feel it or not, it's there. You get to do backflips, backstroke, all kinds of things. You get, to, you get to swim down, down, down to the layers of that ocean, to treasures, to treasure chests, and discover things in the love of God. The love of God will blow you away every day of the year. There's things in there that, <laughs> it's just remarkable. The things that he says to you, his voice is so sweet and so beautiful. What is he saying to you? Who is he calling you? Because we've got to be something. We've got to be something on this earth. Individually, as a church, as a nation, we have to be something. Let it be bold and beautiful. <laughs> Let it be resplendent and glorious. Let it be unassailable, unwavering. You know, the Bible talks about Abraham, the father of faith. You know, it says he was uh, convinced, you know, in terms of God's promises to him. Different versions, different translations, but he, he was fully persuaded, fully persuaded and convinced. It's like, it doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter if it took 10 years or whatever for <laughs> the promise to come to pass or longer that God had said to him. He was fully assured. And even with um, Isaac taking him up the mountain. Isaac's like, oh, I've got the wood. Uh, where's the sacrifice? He's like, oh, it's all good. <laughs> Something was sorted out. And he was fully prepared to go all the way. But you know what I love? I think it's in Hebrews. It says, Abraham just believed that his son would be raised back from the dead. It never happened before. He's like, well, somehow the word will continue. Somehow my son will continue, my name. So the only, thing I, the only way he could explain it was like, well, he must come back to life then. That's it. But he was so fully assured that this thing would continue. This wasn't going to be the end of the promise, the end of the seed. And, uh, you know, nick of time, God said, yeah, that's right. We made provision for you. Here's the, uh, the ram in the thicket. But he was fully assured. However crazy the day turned out, whatever it looked like in the natural, it's like, no, but God said to me, as the stars in the heavens and as the sand on the seashore, you will continue. I will have a seed. I will have a, a generation. He was fully assured. Fully assured. Please, God, what you watch, what you hear, what you listen to, what you read. Please, God, your, your heart is the birthplace of faith or unbelief. But that's, that's where it's generated. It's the um, birthing suite of good things. What are you putting inside? He has so much victory for us. Sometimes I go to bed at night and, he, and he, God just says to me, he says, I have so much for you. Like it's, it's overwhelming sometimes how much he wants to give us and move through us and the things he wants to do. But some people are, I guess the love thing is still not dealt with. Like the love of God for them. Sometimes it's still wavering and unbelief there. Lean into that. Don't let that be your, your legacy. Don't, let the, don't, let, don't look back 10 years' time and be like, well, 
you know, most days I think he loves me, other days are not. <laughs> There's a far better, more beautiful way to live than that. And the thing is, when you settle that, it's like there is a rocket ship that goes up. Because when you have that as your base, you know, that's the thing that Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus, is like that you would, that, that you would understand the dimensions of the love of God, the breadth and width and length and depth of the love of God, these four dimensions of God. You would understand that would be settled in you. And when you have that, you have all of the fullness of God. You can only but win from there. And I was thinking about that, the four, like, there's four dimensions there, you know, breadth, breadth, width, length, and height. Which is interesting, it's like, normally you measure a box, it's in three dimensions, so, you know, but Einstein postulated that time could be a fourth dimension. Um, so some scientists go with that. A um, temporal dimension, not spatial, obviously, uh, since it's not space. But I find that interesting, because it's like that you would know the love of God in all the dimensions of your life. From this experience of huge, you know, victory and overcoming all the way to the days that you might feel like you have nothing to give over here, that you understand the love of God in all of these dimensions and the full breadth and width and length and the time of your life with Him because His love is eternal. And 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, love never fails. But what's interesting, if you look at that verse, it's actually not so much failing. It actually says it never ceases or comes to an end. Like the love is eternal. So as a, as a fourth dimension, if you want to look at it like that, there's an eternal love that's there for you through every stage, every dimension, facet, every growth, every season of your life. There's a love there. There's a love there for you to be, to have, to enjoy, and to give. I know this is a simple message, but I know that chains are being broken still by that. I mean, I know that people struggle with this because... I had for many years, you know, knew the love of God, but took a while to be established until I was finally convinced, <laughs> until I was finally fully persuaded, even though I've been in for 20 plus years, you know, just sometimes the seed takes a while to, to take root and grow. <clears throat> Gospel is a simple message, really, isn't it, when you think about what Jesus did, just came, preached, healed, did what he did. And the good news that we get to share is simple. You know, that's why we can go on the streets, you know, and, and share it with total strangers, people even with, if I can say, maybe with mental, limited mental capacity. You know, they can still get a good father. They can still understand a payment for sin was needed, you know. There's a simplicity in the gospel. There's a power in it. And all the complexities of life that try and, you know, assail that is, is, is what we stand against. And say, no, 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 no. I am loved. Not just love, but there's power there. And I think that's what God is calling us up into as a church. Know his love, know his power. Be his love, be his power on the earth. You know, in your own heart, in your own life, in your day to day. Be that. Be that. Because the world is looking for something. Man, and they haven't got their own answers. I think we all know that. <laughs> they are looking. You know, I, I'm convinced that if I were, I was about I know, six or eight when I became saved. Um, so, so, so grateful I got to be brought up in a Christian home. It's immeasurably wonderful. But I'm sure that if I wasn't, uh, you know, if I just grew up unsaved, uh, that my life would have been uh, horrendous. Because I know me, I know my desire for 
deep things and depth and connection. And if I didn't have that, I would have gone to the ends of the earth exploring in every dark hole and every, you know, syringe and pill that could maybe, maybe try and give me an answer. And I thank God that I didn't need to, that I grew up just knowing, knowing that he's real, knowing that I'm loved. But the world is out there and they're looking and they're looking. And I get why they do what they do. If you, if you have just a hole there, you will try everything to fill it. I, I get that. No judgment. I understand that. But we do have an answer. You know, it's funny because sometimes um, friends, uh, not friends, um, the world would just look at Christians and think, oh, they live a pretty boring life. You know, they go to church, go to, you know, a few youth groups, sometimes go to Maccas afterwards, go home. <laughs> um, but what they don't understand is when we put our heads on at night, there is a peace that transcends all understanding. And if you do not have that, you will try anything and everything, hoping that one of those things might be peace. But when we have it, we don't have to party like wild animals <laughs> to try and fill a void. We do what we do. We have fun with each other. And we go home, and there's a peace inside of us, you know. And I don't really know any different, to be honest. I just have grown up with that. But I look at the world and I can see the absence of that. That there's a prince of peace who wants to be their prince. And we get to, to know that for ourselves. We get to learn that for ourselves. Mm, Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight, you know, um, or watching on the live stream. And you don't know that. You don't know the peace of Jesus that transcends all understanding. A peace that... Once you find it, you know, it's that pearl of great price. You'll sell everything you have for it because there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in all the world. And maybe you don't know that. Maybe you recognize that in your heart there is a, just a restlessness, a hole, whatever you want to call it, that just has never been filled. You know, even great marriages and children still cannot fill a God-shaped hole in us. We're made for unity with them. And we just want to make an opportunity for that. You know, if there's anybody who just hasn't given their life to the Lord, hasn't said, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died, that you rose again for the sins of all the world, including my sins. You Maybe you've never prayed that prayer before. Maybe you've never done that. We want to give that opportunity tonight to do that. You know, and we have a team who can come and talk to you, you know, and find out who you are and just love you and support you and make contact with you during the week. You know, we just want to... We don't want you to, to feel like an outlier. There's a family here. Um, would you just uh, bow your, your heads for a second, church? We just want to give an opportunity for that. Is there anybody here? Would you uh, raise your hand if, you, if you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you want to tonight? We just want to partner with that. Just raise your hand up in the air. Eyes are closed. Uh, we just want to partner with that and see you live your best life, that he has a plan for you, has a purpose for you, has a peace for you that transcends understanding. Jesus. Well, with the eyes closed, church, and too many people watching on live stream, and uh, they're out there. We're going to pray a prayer of salvation now. If that's you, pray it with us. Would you please leave comments in there? Because we want to know your name. We want to be able to write back and say welcome. Maybe we have some resources. We can email you or get in touch with you. But, um, you know, feel, feel a part of this, even if you're watching on live stream. <clears throat> Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and you came to earth, 
that you died for our sins on the cross 2,000 years ago and you rose again and defeated sin and death and you made the payment for my sins that I could be free from that, that I could be your son and daughter. And I just receive you right now as my Savior. Forgive me of all of my sins, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of all my wrongs, everything I've ever done, every dark and sinful thing. I just lay it before you. Forgive me of all of my sins, everything. Wash me clean. Wash my conscience clean that I be a free son and daughter of the living God. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I receive your Holy Spirit infilling right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe there were people touched online and here from that. Let's just give the Lord a hand. I believe he's done things today. Come on. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Wow, 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 wow. Well, I think with the um, masks and things, we want to do our communion. Uh, Has everybody got their biscuit and and wine. Let's give you a minute to, to get that if you haven't got it yet. We'll just do it corporately tonight. Uh, it's a little bit easier than, than with the groups. A bit more legal. Yeah, shake it up. <laughs> Sometimes there's drugs in there. Um, is it shaking it first? Trev says, shake it up when it's closed. <laughs> It'll be like a dog shaking itself when it's wet. Just put communion juice everywhere. Amazing thing, you know, 2,000 years ago, I wasn't there, you weren't there. But the reality of what Jesus did is still shouting victory over the earth now. In this body and in his blood. And I believe that part of taking this is a verse that Paul talks about, we eat and drink to the life that is in Jesus. I feel, I believe this is a point of contact, you know, that when you are eating the bread, that you are reminding yourself that that body that was beaten and bled for me 2,000 years ago, that was for me. That every sickness and disease has been dealt with. And the blood that was shed was that the forgiveness of everything I've ever done and everything I will ever do has been forgiven. And my conscience can be beautifully clean, like a newborn. So when you're taking this if that resonates with you, do that. Like it's a point of contact. Like as you, as you take it, your faith is engaging with it and saying, yes, that is my inheritance. That is why we do this, to remember. Not a, not a Savior that died, but a Savior that who rose again. Jesus, we thank you for your body. Your body beaten and broken for us. And I could stare sickness and disease in the face and say, be gone in Jesus' name. You have no part in this life. The price for you was paid 2,000 years ago. And healing is the children's bread. So as we eat this, we eat of the healing 
That's for every son and every daughter now in Jesus' name. Condemnation is such a such a disempowering thing. When the Bible talks about our conscience is washed clean and sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus, it's amazing. I'm sure we've all done things that we just wish we didn't do. Hurt people that we just wish we didn't do. But you don't have to live in that condemnation. There's no box anywhere on the earth with your name on it in which is condemnation or guilt or shame. It does not exist. The lie of it might, but the reality is there is no such box for you with condemnation or guilt in it. It's not yours. It is not yours to carry. It is not yours. To Jesus, as we drink this, you've made a way and you paid the price. And our hearts and minds are washed clean by the blood of Jesus right now as we drink this. Isn't that good? Isn't he good? It's still early. We want to give some time for ministry tonight. Yeah, keep 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 sucking. There's the there's a beautiful presence here. You know, whether you come up or you sit down. As Bill Johnson says, uh, you don't you never have to leave empty-handed when you come to Jesus. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no shadow or turning. Whether you stand, whether you sit, whether you come forward, whether we call your name, whether we don't call your name, you can get something from tonight if you haven't. But we do want to make some, some room, some time to, um, to just minister to some people. 